to Thunderdome Metal Review, your church of heavy metal. I am the Reverend Dangerously, and we are here to talk about an album that has been heaped with effuous praise. Slipknot's Volume 3, The Subliminal Verses. With me, as always, are Tracy, the chicken slaughterer in Newport, adjunct of Satan and friend of Slipknot, Dr. David Pizzo, the emissary of death metal himself and Guar fan, and Gabe Cooper, whom I don't have any nicknames for because I haven't known him long enough. Everyone, how there. are you doing? We are. We are going to get there for sure. We're getting there. One doing day. Good. One day. <laughs> you know, it is 2021. It is finally dry outside. The giant flies have died. It's uh, It's cool it, outside. We're, we're between biblical plagues, so I'm here for I've it. I've unzipped my leather face mask. <laughs> yeah, just take your mask off, man. Let, yeah. it, let it breathe. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling yeah. loose. Just let it breathe. <laughs> Indeed, let it That's breathe. That's going to leave a mark. It will. That, that will. <laughs> that, that thing looks like it hasn't been washed in a long time. But, uh, it probably hadn't. The point. I, you're, you're right. I think on both accounts that it probably hasn't, and that is the point. That is the point. <laughs> All right. So this is Volume mm. 3, otherwise known as the Subliminal Verses, released on 525 in 2004. It is their third studio album. It was recorded in both the Mansion and Laurel Canyon, Los Angeles, and Academia Mathematique of Philosophical Sounds and Research, also in Los Angeles, California, was released on Roadrunner. The mastering and production was done by Rick Rubin, has a runtime of 60 minutes and nine seconds. They line up, you know them, you love them. Number eight, Corey Taylor on vocals. Number seven, Nick Thomas on guitars. Number six, Sean Crahan, percussion, backing vocals, art direction, and photography. Number five, Craig Jones, Sam Fortune keyboards. Number four, Jim Brute on guitars. Number three, Chris Fain on percussion and backing vocals. Number two, Paul Gray on bass and backing vocals. Number one, Joey Jordanson on drums and mixing. And number zero, Steve Wilson on turntables. So yeah, unlike, well, this is the album that, according to the band, brought them back together after the last one nearly destroyed them. Well, I mean, um, you got rid of Ross Robinson. Of course it's going to do a better fucking time in the studio. I didn't say it was a better time in the studio. I said it brought them back together. What they attribute to that is, is they didn't talk to each other for three months and they all did musical side projects. Because the band is split on their experience with Rick Rubin. Sure. A lot of people are. That's true. He's, he's a complicated man. Like Corey Taylor has been on record as saying that he was pissed off and that Rick Rubin was overpaid because, quote, if you're in the shit, you're in the shit, end quote. And he wasn't there enough to suit Corey Taylor. But he was probably used to Ross Robinson, who, like any abuser, <laughs> was around all the time standing oh, on him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, so I feel so. like that's partially a trend, like going from a hideous pharaonic dictatorship to, you know, Rick Rubin's, I got 10 projects going and you're one of them yep. situation. I'm, I'm used to recording chain to a radiator. What is this nonsense? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. You let me, you let me go. I get to go outside. Um, yeah, it's a lot, but I think that coming back together absolutely shows. I think you can hear it in the sound of this. Mm -hmm. I think Rick Rubin maybe he only showed up twice, but he's a bang up job because he's Rick Rubin. Yeah, that, I think the production on this is far and away better than the last Oh, fuck yes. yes. And I don't know what channel he let a chicken shit on and turned down or whatever, which was <laughs> one of his things, but... Mm -hmm. uh, um, well, that's what Sean Gray had said. He said that, like, not about the chicken shit, but he was like, 
yeah, Rick Rubin would just come in, listen to stuff and suggest some changes and then get it and go and treat it as like we were professionals, essentially, instead of writing hurt over them. So. So, yeah, you know, different different interpretations. And also, of course, this is uh, according to all accounts when Corey really started drinking heavily. So that probably has something to do with his recollection of the two. Yeah. And I know he openly states that he was drinking like three bottles of Jack a day. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I have no idea about the, the veracity of that, but this it, the quote is, this is when Corey's alcohol abuse really escalated. So that sounds like a three bottle of Jack a day habit, but who knows? Well, when he, well, he was doing an interview and fans were there and he's like, I drank three bottles of Jack a day and they cheered. And he's like, no, that's not something you fucking cheer. No, it isn't. Shit, man. There's a lot of pain on all these albums, but mm-hmm. I guess that's how he was dealing with it here. And I know some of it was physical like destroying his body like they were wrecking themselves constantly uh and that had nothing to do with ross robinson that was their own stage show and that had not changed in 2004 and i wonder if it continues to this day they probably pulled off i don't know that's probably why you have the gaps in the album releases after this one compared to prior part of it i think and And you know there's stone sour and there's like a lot going on murder dolls some of them fucking die well that's an album so it takes no it's that's what I, I just mean over the arc of after yes. this a lot happens in terms of how big the gaps often are between not just all of them some of those gaps are years and years yeah as we're going to talk about i listened to the shit out of this album i got it days before uh i had my grad school said you have to come back now so i came back for spring 04 and then i went straight back to germany again uh and so this is one of the albums i was rocking out there on an mp3 disc player i think is how i was listening to it because 2004 and i listened to it endlessly a whole lot and have since and i would argue and will argue not to give it away this is the best Slipknot album. I waver a little bit between it and the one after, and I know Tracy doesn't agree with me about that album, but I think this one is the pinnacle. It is. This is my favorite one by them. I think it's their, their peak. I think they their album in 2019 was good, and a lot of people thought think of it as one of their best ones, but I don't think it quite measures up to this one. But also, I think that's I think it's nostalgia in it for me as well because this album for me was. Too. Oh, I turned 16 when this album came out. And I remember listening to the shit out of this album. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I was oddly confused because I got the, I bought it at Walmart. And then I found out there, I was like, I need to get the explicit version. Then I found out there is an explicit version. Like he just went, all right, I'm going to write no cuss words in this album. <laughs> Which I found surprising. And, and I think it made... And- Yet it's very brutal anyway. You're right. Yeah. It's sort of interesting they're not there, but I, I think part of it is because you know, we talked about that previous one, just the that one was like a, just a sledgehammer to the face and in terms of aggression and lyrically. I think this one's more precision. And I think part of the reason they wrote it without the explicit lyrics is because I think some of the flack they got from reviewers and I don't say fans, but some of the criticisms they got is like, oh, you just say a bunch of cuss words, you can't actually write songs. That is what people I, said. No, and I, I think they were like, okay, yeah. challenge accepted. <laughs> I think that was part of what was going on. If I could put in my uneducated opinion here, being the least educated in this room about this no. record. Um, <laughs> Do you like it? I, I, I liked it. It took me a few listens to really 
understand what was going on, but I did end up liking it. I Good. don't, you can I couldn't say, I couldn't say that I know that it's the best work they ever did. Cause I just haven't listened to them enough or sure. even enough records, but um, it was really surprising, you know, coming from mm-hmm. the, uh, coming from Iowa where like, I, I hadn't even done the first record with you guys. So um, I was just like, where is the heaviness? Where, where is it? <laughs> did they hide it? <laughs> um, but I really appreciated a lot of this. I, I think that for me, um, you know, that expectation being disappointed wasn't the end of it. But I also thought that um, the sort of pop direction that they went in didn't always work. And, you know, it wasn't like the whole thing just wowed me, bowled me over. Sure. Um, the first the first time I listened to it, or maybe the first two times I listened to it, it was like, it wasn't doing it for me because there was not enough heavy there. Mm-hmm. But um, but as I got into it, I dug it more. So um, I think it's I think it's interesting what they did, and it shows that they can actually write songs. Sure. <laughs> I mean, like the last record, my, the complaint of mine was it's too too much of the same right yeah this record is a lot more diverse in terms of the composition in terms of the mm. um the song structures that they're using um uh, that said they turned the the volume down a lot you know, there's like acoustic instruments on it like it's uh there's vocal harmony like mind blown you know what I mean? <laughs> that kind of thing I'd say two things. One, and I don't want to like mess up the test or whatever. You may like All Hope Has Gone more because I think it is heavier. I think it dials up. It's no, it's not Iowa, but I think it dials a little back in that direction. Uh, two, I lied. Three things. Two, I think the pop direction, if that's what you want to call it, works very well. And I don't always say that. Like I to this day, I don't know. We already reviewed the Black Album. There's a lot going on there. Uh, and I'm not going to say this is a Bob Rockification of Slipknot but there's an element of that but I think it works really well partially because I think the parts that you know you mentioned you that are acoustic and some of the transitions are really good they're like pretty like actually good and I actually listening to this now there's a lot of stuff I used to skip because I'm an asshole about things like intro tracks skip it like I'd listen to it you know I'm trying to listen to it a couple times and then I just started skipping it but it's really fucking good even though it's just like a slow, slow build Ben doesn't agree with me because Ben is in a <laughs> forest intro tracks. With, with Danny Phil. I don't like intro tracks, but I think this one is actually quite good. And I think that's it's not an intro. It's not an intro track, David. I, I guess mean, it's not. You don't if you want so? Well, if you want to, I mean, if you want to be like really, really technical about it, it's not an intro track because it is called Prelude, but it is an actual song. It's not like, you know, let's waste everybody's time with like a, you know, 20, like 25 second instrumental. That's not what it is. But it does you know, waste everybody's time. <laughs> ben ben, ben, well, but but i think that there are other tracks where i would say like on other metal records where i would say this track is clearly not necessary and doesn't add anything um you may say yeah. that about this you may say that about this ben track, does say that but, about this but everybody else will not share your opinion um <laughs> yeah i guess it's a yeah i guess i maybe it's just my own mind i kind of construed it as an intro track part of it is how long it starts to get going Right. And so I just lost patience and would move straight to the next song, which is fucking amazing. So kind of in my mind, that was the first track. So listening to it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I just always skip this. And again, it's made worse by 
music in this era I listen to on like playlists, so it's just not there, right? It's like the, sure. so I sort of forgot it existed. And the slow song, I definitely don't put that shit on a best metal playlist. So as much as I know this album very well and have listened to it a lot, but there are pieces of it I haven't listened to in context in, you know, 17 years. So I agree with a lot of what you guys have said as far as this is. The song structures are much more like standard song structures. There's more melody, there's more verse chorus stuff going on. The playing on this is good. They do experimentation. I actually like the incorporation of some acoustic stuff into this. But I just think that songwriting is kind of naff and weak. You know, I think that uh, of the three albums we've done so far, these are the weakest songs. There's a couple of like real bangers that I mean, if I was going to see Slipknot live again, that I would want to hear. But the majority of this album, I just is filler to me. And I'm completely offset. Like outside of like one track on this album, I think this album is the perfect length. I think every track has its place. It's a fantastic fucking album. It is not too long. I will say that. I don't think that it uh, that the runtime is an issue here. But I just I don't know. Yeah, I just it's meandering and self indulgent, and you know, <laughs> whatnot. I guess. <laughs> don't yuck my yum Ben. anyway yeah i oh my god i mean i'm not i can't really deny those things you're saying even if i don't feel them emotionally i'm team tracy on this all the way hey i, I mean I'm, I'm like halfway between out, i think yeah there are albums that came out like when i was tracy's age that i adore that are probably crap out you know but <laughs> what's my anyway. excuse <laughs> <laughs> uh, well you also have an emotional investment in this and, and i do um so and i think that, that and that's the and honestly that is the beauty of music we all mm-hmm. experience it differently we are we are talking objectively about something that is right. almost purely subjective i i remember the car ride home after getting this album like i went to my I went with my granddad to walmart and i bought it and sure. i got in the car put it in the cd player and i'm listening to it and I'm like Someone's in the booklet as he's driving us home. Like, I remember that vividly in my mind. I remember doing some of the dumbest shit I've ever done in my life to this album. (laughs) It's what I was doing in 2004. What's your excuse? You were... (laughs) I made any excuse I needed, Tracy. That's what I did. Um, this is I was 16, after, at least. This was just after the time I met Gabe. This was a little after that, and things got... Uh, I went to Flavor Country in this period of my life. Uh, after this, it got very different. I got like married, and suddenly the army was happening, and all kinds of shit. So, but that that is not how Tron was living in 2004, and this album was along for the ride. Did you go visit an ocean land kind of place? When you... Um, you know, we could talk about that as much as you'd like off program. <laughs> I. <laughs> We went to protect the guilty and the innocent. I don't. We don't need to talk about who killed him, Tracy. Yeah, this is a happy occasion. Indeed, I'm willing to admit that I am squarely in the minority on this album. Um, this reached number one or number two on the Billboard charts. I don't remember the first week, and it moved like 294,000 units to certified platinum. Um, as I said, it was voted as one of the top albums of the 2000s. I don't see it, but it connected, you know, and 
they even do the NAF thing that fans do where they call like, you know, they write a song about what they call their fans on here. Oh yeah, 100%. Like, Jesus Christ. I mean, th- to me, this is the origin of butt metal. You can draw a direct line from this album <laughs> to Five Finger Death Punch. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you could call this like Slip Finger Death Knot. You know, I just... Uh, Anyway. That is a disaster trajectory you're painting, and I want to tell you to take it back, but I need to ponder it. Like I need, I need to hit the button, the enhance button, a bunch of times. Enhance, like I need to figure this out. Uh, I'm sitting here. Was that picture of the kid, the guy with the crying eye shaking? He's just like you're taking it back, and that's me right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you can't like it. I just don't, uh, and it's not that I don't like it. Like I said, there's some stuff on here that is very, very good. It's just sure. there's a lot of stuff that I, I just didn't care about. This is not an album that morally offended me like some albums have. So, I, I think part of what makes this album, I know a lot of people consider like metal fans, a lot of metal fans like Iowa is their best. And a lot of, like it's like a split between this one and Iowa. And I think Dude. one thing that this thing does that Iowa didn't do is Iowa, when you listen to them start to finish, and we all experienced about a month ago, it fucking beats you. Like it you're does. beat at the end of it. This one, you could hit replay and repeat the whole album again, and you won't feel like you've been drugged through cornfield backwards. That's I agree with that. I Iowa and I love heavy music, as you all know. Look at my background, but I was just about my least favorite, actually. And I think that's part of it. It just you know the first one was fun and there were clowns, and then this one was like a little bit poppy and it went down smooth. But the second one just like grabs your lip and slams you into the table. You're like, why are you doing this to me? But then I learned it's because that's what they were doing to themselves. Yeah, and I think I think on subsequent albums they're kind of trying to refine the mix again. Because this is, the, I think, you know, the third album, that hypothesis that the third album is the best album for a lot of bands. And I think this is where they hit their high mark. I agree. And I thought about that a lot, Tracy, because you know I love the next one, too. But mm-hmm. I think this one's just a hair better. And it's the turn. It's the, maybe it isn't innovative. Maybe it's the birth of butt metal. Whatever it is. I mean, I think you could make an argument if you wanted to. But you mentioned the Black Album. As much shit as the Black Album gets for selling out, I think you can give this as much shit if one okay. wanted to do that. And I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that one could do that. One could, yes. Should Ben's one want to? Ben's about to play six degrees of separation between Slipknot and the Five Finger Death Punch. Like, and this is how you got here. This is how you Sonic. No, I mean, I... <clears throat> this is uh, anyway. Can we move to tracks, gentlemen? Let's do that. Okay. Gabe, you want to go first? Yeah, please. Okay. There we go. There's the track. Bam. All right. So, um, so like I said, Prelude 3.0 is an actual song, um, and I think it's pretty decent. What I like about it a lot, actually, is the line that's repeated in there is "Now it's over." <laughs> it's the first track of the album, so it's over. Never mind. Um, I think it's pretty funny um, or interesting, however what you want to put it. Um, I like the blister exists uh, the second time around. Um, they still not as heavy as I had expected. Um, I really dug duality and you could tell that it was a single, you know, just from listening to it and there, for good reason. I mean, it's really quite catchy. I enjoyed opening the people as well, uh, where they discovered vocal harmony. And, um, I also really liked welcome, which is like a return to regularly scheduled programming for Slipknot. Um, not a huge fan of Vermilion 1 or 2, although 
I do think Vermilion is better. It doesn't have good lyrics or even good delivery. The chorus is just not my favorite. Um, also don't like their song about their fans. Um, I don't even like Before I Forget all that much, but it, it was at that moment when I heard that it was like, I'm listening to a different band. Like, it's not even the same band as Iowa. It's like a totally different band than before. Um, so that's, that's uh, you know, mission accomplished, I suppose. Um, I enjoyed the Nameless for the composition, which was really missing on the last record. Um, has some pretty, pretty uh, deadly lyrics once they get spelled out. Um, and Virus of Life is creepy as shit. I like that. The Closer is not solid whatsoever. I don't know why they chose to end the album on that, but there you go. I feel that I should go before Tracy says I like them all and Ben says I like none of them. I'm not uh, gonna say that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, um, I, as I said, I'm converted on Prelude. It is a real song and it is in fact good. I used to just skip it. I love The Blister Exists, uh, Three Nail Duality, Opium of the People. That run is quite good to me. Um, welcome exactly as Gibbs said, Gibbs return to form. I don't mind Vermilion one and two. Uh, I think they'd work less well if there was just one of them. Uh, and I agree that the lyrics are better in some other songs, but I think they're fine. I like Pulse of the Maggots. I know it's self-indulgent, but as a song about, I don't know, as a song about revolution, there's like a lot going on there. You can pull in other directions, actually. Because when I hear that song, I think about stuff a lot bigger than Slipknot. And maybe that's just me because I'm, in, you know, clinically insane. But what are we going to do? Um, I like The Nameless a lot, though that song is a little difficult for me because it evokes a very intense and rather destructive relationship that I had at that time. So I hear it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember when this was my brain and that was bad. So um virus of life as he says is creepy i agree with gabe dangerous not that good a closer it's the one thing i really will dig this album for part of it is i heard i listened to the original version it's originally supposed to be 12 minutes and the 12 minute version i guess maybe works a little better but then it's even more self-indulgent so it was written as a much longer song i assume rick rubin was like no or the chicken shat on the tape and they cut it off there but anyway um the closer is weak but other than that i like nearly every one of these songs and some of them like blister exists or pulse of the maggots or nameless i like a lot a lot and so prelude is terrible dangerous terrible the blister exists is good duality is good vermilion one and vermilion two are proto five-finger death punch um close to the maggots i would rather listen to what is a juggalo by a factor of ten thousand percent the nameless is good the virus of life is okay Alrighty, so the one track on this album I will ding it for is The Virus of Life. I like the rest of the tracks on this album quite a fucking bit. Even the closer? Oh, yeah, oh, even the closer. Danger Deep Away. And, yeah. and for me, like, I think prior to seeing the live 9.0 and hearing it, I think probably would have cut off at Vermillion Part 2. But Seeing them fucking using this marching band snare drums during the live show, yes, kind of made that song stick in my head. Yes, agreed. No, the snare shit on here, the percussion, which was always sort of their strong suit, is really fucking good. And I also mm -hmm. saw this show and shit, dude, this tour, um, it was intense. I think I saw. I don't think I saw Iowa. I saw them when they were touring that first one, and then I saw I think this one. 
Um, I think I saw them on Iowa, but I don't remember for sure. sure. Yeah, this album I'm with, and this isn't always true. I'm very much with Tim Tracy on this album. Normally, it's that product stuff when that happens. Yeah, it's true. Let's grade the shit out of this. Tracy, just get it over with. A plus 98. Just done. Next. I fucking love this album. Uh, hmm. You know what? I'm going to go with A plus 97. I'm going to come just the tiniest bit under only because I'm shook about that belt metal stuff, man. Like now, like Ben has sowed the seeds of doubt because I was going to give it a straight Don't 98. Doubt. I was going to give it a 98 also, but now I'm no, like, no. wait, wait, wait. Five Finger Death Punch? I'm stuck Don't there. doubt. Jesus. Embrace it. They are not the cause of Five Finger Death Punch. They did not. Five Finger I mean, Death my, Punch my heart wants to say 98, Tracy. Prove it. I'm going <laughs> to. Go with your heart, David. Right, fine. I will give it a 98. And I've um, never seen Tracy cape so hard for somebody else's he re- I Me either. But he convinced <laughs> me again until Ben starts talking. And then I'm like, ah, oh, shit. It's already run down. It's, it's already run down. It's into permanent. And he just hangs up on me, kicks me off the call. Uh, oh, off, we lost off. you, David. We lost you. You're gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give this a B minus because uh, I think that this is as good as Iowa, and I'm pretty sure that's what I gave Iowa. It is more pleasurable to listen to. The musicianship is better, but I actually liked the uh, some of the harder stuff on Iowa better than I did this one, but it's still a solid album with everything that I said negative about it. You said Ben Manis? Yeah. We, gotta okay. check, we need to go back and check Tracy's work on this one, Ben. You're going to look back and it'll be like, Ben gave it 107. Ben <laughs> gave it a 98 as well. Look at this. David gave, it two 90, David gave it a 98 and a 97. You just add them together. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, I ended up liking this album more than I thought I would. Um, and although I am missing a lot of the, uh, the heaviness that the previous record had, I also didn't like the fact that the previous record wasn't as varied in the kinds of sounds the band was producing. So um, I'm going to give this a B plus. Um, It's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but um, it definitely grew on me. Well, that could have been worse, Tracy. I mean, you know, there's been moments where you were like, this album's the album that got me through this terrible thing. And I'm like, oh, C minus, and Ben's like, D minus. <laughs> yeah. So this this was not one of those times. That's happened, Gabe. It's brutal. You're like, oh shit. Tracy's like, this is how I survived when I got, you know, drug resistant TB in Cambodia, and we're like, oh <laughs> fuck. I just gave this album a D minus. <laughs> Uh, hey guys, my dad almost died. This down got me through it. That's the one. There it is. <laughs> that's the, that's that, the stuff. No, it was two. One of them was uh, Yogg's Arrow Heart, which that's it. I that, sat on. Yes, which that was during a bad point in my life, you know. And then fucking <laughs> so in Lotus and y'all. No, like, totally. Nope. <laughs> I like that okay, but then not so much. Well, more importantly, Tracy, what are we doing in the future time? In the future time, we are going back to the hell known as Guar. I am Our, uh, so unbelievably pumped about that. Sorry, what album? I cut you off. Ragnarok. You're damn right it is. All right, we'll catch you then, and thank you for listening to Thunderdome Metal Review. Dun, 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 dun.